0: Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. Exodus chapter 2. Everyone say Exodus 2. And then Hebrews 11. Exodus 2 and Hebrews 11. And so we're going to continue today talking about heaven's heroes. Life lessons from Old Testament heroes of the faith. The first one we talked about, Abraham. Last week, uh, Michael spoke about who? Who? Joseph, there you go, and this week, we're going to talk about, everyone say it in your deepest, most Charlton Heston voice, Moses. That was so weak. How many of you do not know who Charlton Heston is? You probably don't. Okay. In your deepest, most, I don't know, whatever, come on, everybody say, Moses. Moses. We're going to talk about Moses in a few moments, Uh, and and the, 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 sim, the kind of the subtitle, Chosen to Change the World. Now before we jump into that, let me just tell you where we are. And for, for you guests with us, we've got an eight-week series going on, Heaven's Heroes, Life Lessons from the Old Testament Heroes of the Faith. And here's what I want you to, to, to catch with me. Here's kind of the format. We have a weekly introduction on Sunday morning to an Old Testament Hero of the Faith. That's what we're going to do today. Then we have weekly suggested reading. Now, take a picture of this. It may be in your bulletin. I don't know. Take a picture of this. This is what I want you to read this week. You say, oh my gosh, that's a lot. Uh, It's not any, it's no no big deal. Exodus chapter 1 through chapter 20. You could read the whole book if you would like. That kind of is a good picture. And then Numbers 1 through 14 chapters. And then Acts 7. Now, here's an interesting thing. Acts 7 Stephen, the first martyr, uses 17 through 43, and he, he gives a wonderful uh, synopsis of Moses' influence in the earth. Uh, in fact, Moses is not only an Old Testament hero of the faith, he's a New Testament hero of the faith. These guys thought he was the bomb, okay? And so, here we got a guy about to lose his life. He's preaching out of Moses. He's talking about Moses And then the writer of Hebrews does the same. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 through 19. And then the verses that we'll look at momentarily, Hebrews 11, 23 through 29. That's your suggested reading for the week. And then Wednesday, we'll meet together, have a meal at 6.30, and then we'll have life groups. And at life groups, we're going to discuss... Uh, this message that you're going to hear this morning and discuss things and how to apply the life lessons that you will learn uh, here this morning. So it's a great week long. In fact, another thing's happening right now. Our kids are learning about who? Come on, y'all. it got weak on me again. They're learning about Moses. And they're, they're learning. So today, this week, you can t- ask your kids, what'd you learn today? Who'd you talk about today? And if they don't say Moses, you need to go talk to Michael and Lyric and whoever and say, hey, uh, tell me about Moses because my kids didn't get it. And so, because they're getting the same things uh, and then each week you'll have the, process, the joy of, uh, of digesting what I call a, a life lesson. We're going to learn a life lesson from Moses today that will make a big difference in our life. In fact, it's a challenge to me. It's a challenge to, uh, to uh, look at Moses' life and all throughout. I mean, in fact, just Google him in the New Testament Get it and, and look him up. Man, he's, he's from the beginning to the ending. In fact, you know, you know where he came? He's not only in the Old Testament. Did you know he showed up in the New Testament? When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was who? Moses and Elijah. So, man, this guy is, is off the chart, hero of the faith, and we can learn a lot from him. So, but today, I've, I've kind of melted it down into one thought. Exodus, are you in Exodus 2? I'm just going to give, I said, are you in Exodus 2? Okay. Exodus 2, as you know, is the introduction of Moses. And the, the scenario is this, the children of Israel are in what? Egyptian bondage. And uh, and 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 they were God's people, and and uh, Moses was born into that. His parents uh, were the part of the children of Israel, and they were slaves. And you know the story: how the children of Israel were being so prolific that the Egyptian leaders and Pharaoh got nervous, and they said, "These yeah, they're going to take over. We got to start killing the male children." You remember this? And so Moses' parents did what? They took him when he was born and hid him in the river. In fact, Josh, I want to give you kudos because when I was studying this, we were at the lake the other day and I said, we have a morning time. We, our little thing is we let mama sleep at the lake house and the kids come down to the front porch and we hold them hostage for as long as we can with stories. And I asked, I asked Jojo or Josiah, I said, Tell, I, I'm talking about Moses, I'm preaching on Moses, uh, uh, what did Moses' parents do with him when he was born? And he went, put him in the river. So he had the story. And so uh, our kids are getting the story. And so they put him in the river. And you know the story, Pharaoh's daughter. And, and Moses' sister was watching from afar. Pharaoh's daughter comes along and she finds him. She falls in love with him. She says, I've got I to have this precious little child. And so they were very uh, strategic. And the, the, the aunt of Moses uh, uh, says, hey, if you would like, I'll go get uh, uh, someone from, from the children of Israel to, be, to nurse him and take care of him till he grows up a little bit. Uh, and, and who do you think she chose? Moses' mom. And so, so that's the story. Uh, and in fact, Pharaoh's daughter named him. His name is? His name is Moses, and it means, she named him Moses because she drew him out of the water. And so Moses' name is drawn out. How many of you know that's prophetic? Moses, what did God use Moses to do? To draw out the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage and bring them into the promised land. That was the call of God on Moses. He was chosen, in fact, to change the world. And I want to say to you today that as we look at the life of Moses, God, in all of his wisdom and infinite mercy and grace, he has chosen you to change the world as well. God's called us to change the world. Moses was chosen by God to change the world. I'll never forget years ago, I can't remember what prison minister I was listening to years ago. He was talking about a young man. He he actually witnessed the execution, the death sentence of a a young prisoner who had been on death row for for a number of years. And he was there with the family, and it was just traumatizing. And he, he caught a glimpse of something as they were putting things on his chest and wiring him up, and he had a tattoo on his chest. And the tattoo on his chest was born to lose. And he thought how tragic that was that this young man, some, somewhere in his life, just embraced that reality that he was born to lose. And he thought, "I'm born to lose." And he and this prison minister, I'll never forget. He he said, As "I saw that. I thought that can't be true." He said, "I think he's born to choose." And this morning, I want to talk to you about the choices that we see that Abraham, pardon me, Moses made. And, 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 and just look at, look at your neighbor and tell them you're not born to lose you're not born to lose now go over to Hebrews 11 go to Hebrews 11 there was so much here but I just I'm going to have to use this passage right here and talk to you about the life of Moses Hebrews 11 verse 23 here we go by faith everyone say by faith by faith Moses when he was born was hidden three months by his parents now let me stop there whose faith what wasn't Moses' faith, mama and daddy's faith, right? By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. And then we, then we get uh, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Let me stop right there. Look up at me. Moses' life, and I don't have time to talk about, this is a great message in and of itself. Moses' life is broken up into three 40-year spans. The first 40 years, he lived his life in the luxury and the opulence of where? Egypt. The next 40 years, he lived his life in simplicity and servitude in the wilderness serving his father-in-law, Jethro, for 40 years. And when he was 80 years old, he was out in the field, and he was just minding his own business, and he ran into a bush that what, but was not what? And he was curious, and he came aside, and God spoke to him from the burning bush, called him to uh, be the liberator and the redeemer of the children of Israel, and he, he, he questioned that, he he. he He doubted that. He had him a good conversation with God. Long story short, uh, even even as you read on, he argued with God and did not want to fulfill it. uh, And God got angry with him over it. And then uh, he finally said, yes, I'll do that. And then the last 40 years of his life were spent, what? Leading the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and into the promised land. However, Moses didn't go there because we know this life lesson, to whom much is given, much is required. In fact, if you study the life of Moses, you'll find that the children complained they didn't have water. God said, uh, strike the rock, and from the rock, water came out. You fast forward a a period of time, they ran out of water again, the the children of Israel complained, and God said to Moses, now just speak to the rock. Moses is so angry with the people that he struck the rock. He misrepresented God's authority. He disobeyed God. God honored him and gave water to the people. But that, but that wrong choice in the midst of that issue kept Moses, the leader of the children of Israel, the great deliverer, if you will, from the promised land. The interesting thing about his life, though... Uh, that it says when he died, he died when he was 120, but he had no dimness of eye, and he still had vitality in his body. I'm telling you, I'm getting a vision to live to 120. Amen? And Look out. Hey, future. In fact, let me just say this to all of us senior brethren. How many of you? Anybody here over 60? Raise your hand. That's me. reason I said that, I just, I'm over 60. Any, any men and women here over 60? Come on, That's you, Beverly. Okay. That's you. Let me just tell you, studies show today our greatest impact In life is in our latter years that was the case with Moses and Moses died with no dimness of eye and and no no lack of vitality and you think well shame on God for not letting him one little oopsie-daisy and he misses the promised land oh he made it to the promised land in fact I already mentioned to you uh, when uh, the Mount of Transfiguration there was Moses and Elijah and Jesus Everybody say he made it. So he finally made it to the ultimate promised land. Uh, and so uh, that's, that's a picture of his life in, in a snapshot. It says in verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather, somebody say choosing rather, choosing rather to suffer afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured uh, endured as seeing him who is invisible. Let me stop there. It's hard for me not to comment. You know when Moses, how Moses got into the wilderness is he began to realize and he understood in his forty years as he grew in Egypt that he was not an Egyptian that he was of Hebrew descent. And you know the story, he saw some Egyptians beating up on one of the Hebrews, uh, he saw an Egyptian, and so he killed him. How many of you know, that's probably not the best option right there, but that somehow that all worked to get him where he needed to go. And then the next day, some, some Hebrews saw him, and he's trying to interact and, and influence their life, and they said, what are you going to do, kill us like you killed the Egyptian? And he realized, oh my gosh, now I got the Israelites Uh, not liking me and for sure this is going to get out and Pharaoh's going to get me. Sure enough, Pharaoh sought to kill him and the Bible says he feared and he fled. Everyone say he feared and he fled. How many of you know most people when you get fearful, what do you do? We flee. But we know from the life of Moses that somewhere between then and and, uh, gosh, uh, even at the burning bush, he dealt with that Because the writer of Hebrews says, not fearing the wrath of the king. In fact, when God spoke to him to go back, he just went right back into Egypt and faced his fear. He faced Pharaoh. So, uh, anyway, that's my little uh, side note there. By faith he forsook Egypt, uh, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. Lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And then it says, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word and for the life of Moses and his influence in the earth and his influence in our life today. Lord, he is truly a hero of the faith. Lord, that has spanned not only the Old Testament, New Testament, even present day. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. How many of you know choices change things? Choices change things. Can you think of one of the first choices that humanity made that changed things? How about Adam and Eve? Are y'all here this morning or am I just, has this orange shirt got you in, in awe? Adam and Eve made some choices that changed history as we know it. Introduced the sin nature into humanity. Choices change things. Tell somebody, choices change things. The choices we make change things, both good and bad. Think about David in Bathsheba. David, when men ought to be out to war, he was sitting on his balcony just enjoying the view. And he got more than he bargained for. Maybe not. Maybe he knew what time bath time was for Bathsheba. I think interesting that bath time, Bathsheba's name, bath time. Just stay away from Bathsheba. He didn't stay. He made a choice. He made a series of choices that though, though God continued to use him, the Davidic kingdom began to decline from that choice on. How many of you know God's a God of forgiveness, but we still suffer the consequences of our choices? Everybody say choices change things. Think about the disciples. The disciples, especially Peter and, and Jesus, was you know uh, they're washing their nets. Long story short, Jesus said this: "Follow me." Everybody say follow me. At that point, they had a choice to make, right? Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to leave these nets? Am I going to leave my family? What am I going to do? Interestingly enough, it doesn't say they prayed about it. It doesn't say they pondered it or meditated on it. It says they left their nets and began to follow him. Somebody say choices change things. And on and on it goes. Moses' wrong choice of striking the rock rather than speaking to the rock. Change things in his life. And so choices are a powerful thing. And we look at the life of Moses here. And we see verse 25. Choosing rather. Everyone say choosing rather. I want to talk to you today just from this Hebrews 11 passage. These few verses. And, and it's certainly not all. Ex- it's not exhaustive. It's just a, a, a little snapshot. Choices that change the world. Choices that changed the world. Some choices that Moses made, choices that we must make that will change the world that God has put us in. And here they are. The first one is this uh, from Hebrews 11, the first choice that I see that changed the world. And it was not Moses' choice, it was Moses' parents. Moses' parents chose not to fear. Hebrews eleven twenty three. 23, I mentioned it. It says, not fearing the wrath. It says, Moses, when he was, at, uh, was born, was hidden three months because they saw he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's command. You see, they didn't hide him because they were afraid. They hid him because they were not afraid. They, were, they, they chose to face the music, in a sense. And God supernaturally honored their faith. Let me just t- say to you this morning uh, about the choices we make. Our, <clears throat> the choices we make as parents, as leaders, affect other people more than us. Many times that's the case. In fact, I skipped our memory verse. I don't know, I can you go back to the memory verse? Can I throw you for a loop? Because I, I, I skipped over this. This is our memory, take a picture of this one right here. Take a picture of Deuteronomy 30, 19b. This is Moses' words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the children of Israel. Uh, This is important for us. I don't don't want you to miss it. Deuteronomy 30, 19b. This is what I want you to memorize this week. Uh, Here's what uh, Moses says to the people, or God says to the people through Moses. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, do what? Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Let's read it out loud together. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. See, God looked down and said, you got a choice on whether you're going to serve me or not serve me. You have a choice to make. And he says, I just declare over you, choose life. And if you choose life, if you choose the path of the favor and the blessing of God in your life, guess what? It's not only going to impact you, but it's going to impact your children and your children's children and your descendants. Man, I'm loving that right now. Somebody say amen. And so that's your memory verse. I want to encourage you to get that. And what do we learn from that? We learn that our choices impact those that, that, uh, that God has around us and those that will come after us. And this is what we see with, with Moses' parents. Their choice of faith changed the destiny not only of Moses but of the history as we know it. They chose not to fear. How many of you know fear is the great paralyzer? God has a plan for our life and a place for us to go. And if we choose fear over faith, it'll paralyze the purposes of God in our life. And so the first choice that you and I is that we see from Moses' parents and that Moses chose to walk by because as we read earlier, how did Moses live his life? He lived it by faith. Somebody say by faith. And so in this destiny, in this purpose of God for our life, we've got to choose to walk by faith and not by sight. We can't look at the circumstances of life and fear and doubt. And and if anybody had a a reason to fear and doubt, it was the children of Israel there in Egyptian bondage. There was nothing going good for them. But all of a sudden, out of the clear blue it seemed, after years of Egyptian bondage, there was somebody named Moses' parents, and they're named later somewhere, at least the mama is. I can't remember their names. But somehow in the middle of all this trauma, in the middle of all this bloodshed, in the middle of all this sorrow and heartache of the firstborn losing their life, they chose to trust God in the middle of that. And it affected not only Moses, but the history of the world. And so we got to choose not to fear. Number two, the second choice that I see is Moses chose, according to verse 24... To refuse the identity of his history. Let me explain. What happened the first 40 years of his life? Where was he? He lived in where? Egypt. In fact, the Bible says about him. Uh, let's see. In, uh, gosh, Acts 7, 22, That Moses was learned in all the things of Egypt. He had it all together. Man, he was. He had been indoctrinated, if you will. In the ways and the life of the Egyptians. And by everybody's, by his appearance, even when he, was, he fled Pharaoh, you remember, he, let, he found himself in the land of Midian, out in the wilderness, he ran into these seven daughters, man, if you're in the wilderness, it's just, it's just great to run into seven women, I'm, I don't know, he was like kind of standing on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, he had seven women on his mind, I know, I better not go there, but he ran into these, I better stop right there, uh, but he ran into these seven daughters and the shepherds were shooting them away and, and, and everybody say Moses Moses did, kind of helped the women, helped these seven daughters and watered their flocks they got back early and told daddy about it and they, and they got back and said how come you got back so fast well there was this Egyptian this is the point I'm making here he is out in the wilderness and I don't know about how he dressed, how he talked how he walked there was this Egyptian who helped us. That's how we got back so quick. And he said, well, why didn't you bring him to supper, for goodness sake? And so what I'm trying to say to you, even the, uh, out in the land of Midian, his demeanor, how he walked, talked, looked and everything, he bled and he, he exuded Egyptian. But he was not an Egyptian. Now, as you and I know, Egypt has a has a way of being a picture of the world. And so, my point here is, Moses chose, it says in verse 24, it says, by faith Moses, when he came of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to let his present identity, or his past, pardon me, his past history Rob him of who he really was. And that's what you and I need to embrace here for a moment. Because how many of you ever been in How many of you got a little, you've had a little Egyptian influence in your life? In fact, some of you have been raised, you know, people say, well, that's just the way I was raised. I can't help it. It's just a bad scene. We, we got problems in our world. In fact, uh, I just heard a guy tell me about some of his family, his future son-in-law who has issues. Yeah, I won't go down that road much. But he said his mama had like seven or eight different husbands with kids every which way. How many of you know the boy's got issues? He's got a history. And at some point in our life, everybody do this with me. At some point in our life, we've got to look at where we are and say, where I've been is not going to determine who I am. Oh, come on. Everybody shake it one more time and say, where I've been is not going to determine who I am. I have a friend, Mark. His name's Mark Bowman. He is a wonderful friend. We, we never see each other face to face. For years, he used to. He grew up. At, pardon me, uh, my parents. He had he had parental issues in his his last year of high school. He lived with us, and, and it's just been he's been a close friend. But he's been in Oklahoma. He's a superintendent or was a superintendent, and we would, we call he we call each other. He calls me more, than I call him. He's a better friend than I am, and we talk and we've talked and prayed over each other for years. Is it not right? Uh, in fact. He just retired from being a superintendent. He told me right out of high school, and as he was going into college, he said, I believe God wants me to be a superintendent. And so he became a superintendent, and for years, he, in fact, he worked for years for Billy Joe Daughtery at Victory Church in, in, uh, I think it's Oklahoma City, no, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and just has a great resume of influence among young people for years and years. Well, uh, without going into it, he retired this, this year, at the end of this school year. After all this time, God's led him to retire. And he's going through this process, and I call him, I tell him, you know, uh, how's it going? Are you? Are you? And he's, he's just excited. He said, I got my first retirement check. He said, it ain't much, but man, I'm just so happy to see that. And I told my wife, I said this, I said, we're going to get this till both of us die! Unless something terrible happens. So he's just happy. And I'm talking to him on the phone the other day on the way to Dallas, and and. I'm kind of quizzing him because I want to make sure he's okay. Because you hear a lot of people when they retire, they just kind of go, you know, they just, they lose their sense of purpose. And he said this to me, listen to me, as we were talking, he said, listen to me, here's what I know about me. What I did, here's what I did, I was a superintendent, but that's not who I am. That's what I did, but that's not who I am. What's he saying? He's not letting his history dictate his identity. Sadly, a lot of people, their history dictates their identity and they carry that identity, a a false identity. Because I want to tell you something, Egypt has no business telling us who we are. And Moses, in the process of time, he began to realize, this is what I've been, this is where I've lived, this is what I look like, but i tell you what, that is not who I am. Come on now. He made a choice to refuse The identity of his history, even though he had 40 years of experience. That's what my daddy used to say all the time. When he'd do something, he was a mechanic. And uh, I'd say, where'd you learn that? He'd say, 40 years of experience, son, 40 years of experience. Okay, all right. He had 40 years of experience in Egypt, but he didn't let that experience rob him of the destiny of God over his life. And so he landed, he went out of Egyptian opulence into the wilderness of Midian with the, the, with the people of Midian out with Jethro. And Jethro gave him a, one of his daughters to be his wife. And for 40 years, the Bible says he was content to live there. And he served his father Jethro in the land of Midian. Now, here's the interesting thing. He went out of Egypt into the wilderness and ended up with the Midianites. Who are they? Everybody say, who are they, for goodness sake? Who are the Midianites? Well, if you go to Genesis 25, verse 1 and 2, you'll discover that the Midianites are direct descendants of Father Abraham, who had many sons. So what did God do? You know what God did? God took him out of Egypt and planted him in a family, not just the Midianites, but with the priest of the Midianites. And for 40 years, he faithfully served his father, Jethro. Now, here's my little thought. It took Moses less than 48 hours to flee from Egypt. But evidently, it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Moses. How many of you know sanctification is a process? You see, when we're born again, we are born again just like that. We are justified. Somebody say, I'm justified. But then we've got to be sanctified. We've got to be, be become more into the image of Christ. And so, so just my thoughts today. God allowed Moses 40 years to get Egypt out of him to where he would be able, <coughs> pardon me, to once he understood the purpose of God for his life, go back into Egypt without Egypt getting back into him. How many of you know we're supposed to be in the world but not of the world? And Moses, it took a little time, but he got Egypt out of him so he could go back to Egypt without Egypt getting back into him, and he was able to fulfill the purpose of God for his life. Let me ask you a question. Somebody said, Go ahead, Pastor. Let me ask you a question. What has your past history told you about you? What is your past? telling you about you that has paralyzed you and kept you from the purposes of God for your life. Moses chose to refuse the identity of his history. And our history has a way of labeling us. You you want me to prove it? Brent, stand up. He don't know what's going on here. Where did you grow up? Vider, Texas. You can sit down. That's all I have to say right there. I'm joking. He knows I'm joking. Because how many of you know, all of us over here, we think of people from Vider. In fact, I heard this story that it's probably true. You can Google it. That the toothbrush was invented in Vider. If it had been anywhere else, it would have been a teethbrush. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just making a point. Brent knows. You've had to suffer this all your life, haven't you, Brent. That's his idea, that's where he's from. That's where he's from, but that's not who he is. What's your past telling you about you? Moses said it ain't happening here. In fact, he began to learn as he got older, when he grew up, he realized, I'm living in Egypt, but I am not an Egyptian. Think about it. Ponder it for a moment. He made a choice to refuse the identity of Egypt. and He chose to follow the purpose of God for his life. Choice number three. Moses chose suffering and service over sinful pleasure. He chose suffering and service over sinful pleasure. Look at verse 25 and 26. Look what it says. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, Listen, listen carefully. The inference in that verse is that it was a hard choice to make. How many of you know many times we look at our future and we look at, you know, and, and we're tempted. In fact, uh, undoubtedly he was tempted to go back to Egypt. What did the children of Israel always want to do on their way to the promised land? They were always wanting to go back to Egypt. And we had, he, they had to be led by a man who had made the choice. I'm not going back. Somebody, somebody do this right here. Come on, everybody. Get your head, come on. Get your head going just like it. Come on, give me one of them. I'm not going back. Some of you are still not convinced. I can tell. I got a little dizzy doing that, so. <laughs> plus, Oh, there's only one of each of you. I got it. I'm not going back. So he had to lead a people who were always saying, we're going back. He said, no, I ain't going back. In fact, the Bible says God led them in a way uh, when they left so that they could not go back. And it was a a hard choice, but he made it. I'm choosing. I'm standing my ground. I I know what sinful pleasure, and if anybody had access to it, it was Moses. And he said, no, I'll take suffering and service over sinful pleasure. In fact, if you look at his life in the second 40, it says in Exodus chapter 2, verse 21, it says he was content to serve Jethro. Think about it. He was content to serve Jethro. He was content. and, and In fact, uh, chapter 3 in Exodus, chapter 3 verse 1, he was just out serving Jethro. It says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. It wasn't even his flock. He was just a servant. And he chose servitude and suffering. In fact, it says in uh, uh, That he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God that enjoy the passing pleasure, the temporary pleasures of sin. He chose servitude. Now, let me give you some little insights here that all of us need to come to. And and if we're going to make a difference in the world, we've got to make these same kind of choices. Until we are content to serve, listen carefully, until we are content to serve, we will never be called to lead. Until we come to the place where, man, I'm just happy serving. I just will, I'll just be content to stay right here. I don't care if they're my sheep, whose sheep, your sheep, our sheep. I'm just serving God and I'm serving whoever. I'm content to serve. I'm telling you, he was there 40 years. Just serving. And he wasn't just doing his time. He had come to a place in life where he realized, You know what? I'm just going to be a servant here. There's a lot less stress. (laughs) you got a family just faithfully serving. Here's another thought. In fact, the true heart of leadership is found within the heart of serving. If we're going to lead this world, if we're going to make a difference in the world, if we're going to make an impact in the world, we've got to begin to serve this world. And serve God, serve the people of God. And Moses made that choice. He chose to serve. In fact, Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews says he was was the servant of God. Everybody say servant of God. Now I want to ask you a question uh, about your eternity. There's only one person that I know of in heaven that heaven is singing their song. You know, we're all supposed to sing heaven's song, right? When you look in, let's see where it is, Revelations 15, 3, you know what the angels are singing? The song of Moses and the Lamb. I'm telling you, the guy's a hero of the faith. Heaven's up there singing the song, and here's what it says, the song of the servant Moses. Mo- Heaven identifies him as a servant. And because of that, they are singing his song. And when we get to heaven, guess what? We're not only going to sing the song of, 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 of the Lamb. We're going to sing the song of Moses. I don't know how it goes. There may be some inference to it somewhere in Scripture. But I'm telling you, heaven identified him. Listen, if you'll identify yourself as a servant, heaven will start agreeing with you. And once we do that, what happened? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. But how many of you know the great, some of the greatest leaders? Moses was one of the greatest uh, uh, leaders in the history of the world. How many of you could lead a million plus people? He, and it frustrated him too, by the way, so much so that his father Jethro, let me, can I just stop? Let me, let me, I better hurry. Moses starts leading the people out of Egypt. And it's just getting started. And Jethro hears, his father-in-law hears. This will change the way you think about folk. Jethro still had his wife and kids with him. And the Bible says that Jethro came. That's his father-in-law. And there's his kids. There's his wife. They came. And the Bible says Moses, I think it says he kneeled and embraced and kissed him. And they went in and talked about all that God was doing. He loved his father-in-law. He loved the influence that his father-in-law had on him. You see, he didn't have a very good father when it comes to being able to access his biological father. But Jethro made up the difference. And as, as now he taught him the art of service, now he's leading all these people, these millions of people, and and it becomes overwhelming. Jethro says, You know what I do? I delegate. <laughs> I delegate this out a little bit. And he helped him. And 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 he taught him about leadership. But it was all birthed through his choice to be a servant. Choice number four, are you with me? That was choice number three. Here we go. I better move. Moses chose the eternal over the temporal. Look in verse 13 about these fathers of faith. Go back up in Hebrews 11. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That was the posture that Moses took. Look look down in verse 25. Look what it says. It says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pastures. Passing pleasures of sin. And it says, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches. Man, he and let me tell you something, Moses had an insight about the real Redeemer. Did you know that? In fact, he was, in some ways was a picture of the real Redeemer, but a good Jewish boy knew that a Redeemer was coming. You need to understand that. And he had an insight of that. He, he said he chose he 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 esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward by faith he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who was invisible I'm telling you Moses did not have a temporal mindset in fact he chose to to suffer affliction with the people of God that enjoy Rather than enjoy the temporary pleasures of sin, he had an eternal perspective. And he says, the choices that I make, listen to me today. Oh, if you miss everything else, don't forget this. The choices we make can can affect us and our families for all eternity. And he realized that. And he said, man, I'm looking for that reward. I'm looking for that eternal reward. And one day when he stepped through that 120-year life into eternity, he found himself in the presence of God. And of his son Jesus he had an eternal I'm choosing the eternal things over these temporary things that are tempting me away and finally number five he chose now you can go through hit those scriptures if anybody wants them I think I put them up there these are all scriptures about his eternal about eternal choices Romans eight second corinthians four Matthew 17 is when he's, he, he shows back up on Mount of Transfiguration with uh, Elijah and Jesus. And then number five, Moses chose to endure. It says he endured. Everybody say he endured." Verse 27. "For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Number one, he endured the process. Everybody say, 80 years. Eighty years. The process of Egypt, the process of the wilderness, and then 120 years dealing with the people. He endured the process. Really, I should have said it took 120 years because all of it. He had to endure the influence of Egypt. He had to endure the, the primitive lifestyle of servitude and suffering in the desert and then he had to endure 40 years with a cantankerous rebellious people so he endured the process but then he endured the people a friend of mine pastor a pastor friend of mine years ago he said man i love this pastoring i'd love it even more if it wasn't for all these people and he had a lot of people and they were always complaining and if you read Numbers 14, I think it's Numbers 14, yeah, you, you, you can realize that he endured the process, he endured the people. In fact, uh, it says about him in Numbers 14 that God says, just get out of the way, I'll kill them all, and I'll start over with you. The Bible says he, he, he interceded for the people. Moses did. Because he learned to love them and care about them. And he realized that God's ultimate plan was to get them from point A to point B and not to start over. I think that was all a test too, by the way. And then number three, he endured the pain. It says he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He chose to endure. Oh, and there's a lot more I could say. But I came to tell you that choices change things the choices we make today. Now, how did Moses make all these right choices? By faith. Everyone say, by faith. You know what the Scripture says about you? I think it's he, Romans 12, verse 3. It says, God has allotted to each of us a measure of faith. You believe that? God has allotted to each person on planet Earth a measure of faith. And that's where the choice comes in. He gave it to you as a gift. You didn't earn it. How many of you know for by grace we are saved through faith and that's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God there's no way we can earn faith, we can be good enough to believe God, he gave it to us as a gift because we were among men all miserable, but he said, man, I've got to create a way to get sinful humanity back into right relation so he said, I'm going to have to give them something they're going to have to have something, I'm going to give them a measure of faith, I'm going to put it within all of us all of us have it in with us, even if we don't understand it, we have it within us, there's a sense of knowing that if if, if something come throw it up, it's going to come down. You have faith in the laws that God has created of gravity on its simplest form. But when we began to realize God gave us a gift of faith. Now, what do we do with that gift? We have a choice to engage it or not engage it. To, to believe or not believe. We were born with that choice. Now, look at this. Look at this. I want to show you this last thought. Here we go. Life lesson. God has chosen to gift us with a measure of faith. However, just like Moses, we must engage our faith with choices that will change the world around us for His glory and our eternal benefit. How do we make right choices? By the faith that God gave us. I have faith. Everybody say, I have faith. You've got to activate that faith. That's what Moses did. That's what Moses' parents did. They said, you know what? If we're going to get from point A to B, it's going to have to be by faith. Everybody say, by faith. How am I going to do that by faith? God's going to have to give me faith. He gave me faith. Therefore, I've got to... Hey, how many of you know it's a gift? It's a, everybody say, it's a gift. Uh, this shirt was a gift. And by faith, I'm wearing it today. When I first looked at it, I said, I uh. But if people give you gifts and you don't engage them and you don't use them, they lie idle uh, on the shelf. They lie idle in the closet. I know some of you got some. You go, gee, thanks. I'll never wear this in all my life. I appreciate it. In fact, my son, I hope he's not listening, someone gave him a watch as a wed- He was in a wedding. They gave him a real nice watch. He doesn't wear watches. Most people don't. He brought it to me the other day. He said, Dad, are you a watch wearer? I said, not really. He said, here, I want to give you this. You try it on you." And and, and so I'm not a watch where I put it on. And so it's lying idle, and I'm thinking, okay, i got to re-gift. Because somebody needs that. i got to engage this gift because he gave it to me. And and if I'm not going to use it, it doesn't need to sit on the shelf. I need to get, God has gifted us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But he gave us faith. And Moses made choices that changed the world. Because he chose rightly. He did so by faith. And he pinned to the children of Israel and he pinned to us Deuteronomy 31. Is it Deuteronomy 31? Deuteronomy 31 19b. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Let's stand up together. It's noon. I took my time today. We've got to learn this lesson. We can't blame where we are on our past. And we can't let our past keep us from where God has for us. Father, today we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for Moses. The deliverer the liberator. We thank you, Father, that his influence has passed from generation to generation and lives on in heaven as they sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb. Father, today, there's so much to learn from his life. But Lord, I pray each of us would be able to embrace the reality that by faith, we can choose to serve you, Lord. Father, I pray for each here today that the life of Moses would so ring true in our hearts, and their hearts, our hearts together. That today we would engage our faith And to begin to make the obvious choices between life and death, blessings and cursings. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm about done. I apologize, it's a little afternoon. But if you're here today, and you're uncertain about your eternity, in fact, if you died today, you're just not quite sure if you'd go to heaven. You just got a big question mark. I'm here today to bring you good news that God's given you a gift of faith to trust Him. And all you have to do is believe and yield your life to Him. The Bible says if you believe that Christ raised Je- God raised Jesus from the dead, He was buried on a cross, God raised Him from the dead, the Bible says you'll be saved. If you believe, trust, rely, and cling to Him and what He's done for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here and you say, Pastor, right where I'm sitting I just want to know that I know that I know Him, that I'm on my way to heaven. I want to choose eternity over the temporary. I want to give my life to Him. If that's you today, lift your hand wherever you are. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? I just need to know that I know that I know Him. Just lift your hand. Anybody else? You can put your hands back down. Now, all of us, we're going to pray a prayer together for those that lifted their hands. and We're going to join with them in praying a prayer that would lead us into faith in Christ and into an eternity with Him. I want everyone to pray this with me out loud. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I thank You for dying for me on a cross, for paying for my sin with Your blood. I thank you that you not only died for me, but you were buried and you rose again so I could have a new life too. I believe that, Lord. Thank you for dying for me, paying for my sin, and rising again from the dead so I could have new life. I put my trust in you and from this day forward. I will follow you. And I thank you, Lord, that I am now your child. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.